The act of prayer is something we do individually, collectively, and expansively. Would you hear these words that may guide you into a place that you can hear and be attentive to the inclinations of God? Most gracious God, we greet you this morning as you have taught us yet with a joy that has been tempered by recent long days of separation. We've had to learn and lean on our compassion for each other in new ways. As Paul chose to pick up pen and papyrus, allowing this medium of communication to carry his heart and his wisdom to the ones you gave him to encourage and cultivate and instruct. We, too, have embraced what is new and hard, yet truly gift, so that we might remember to worship you in all the days, not just when it's in the way that we're used to, that we now have significant signs of hope that are new and different, new signs of evangelism, new signs of doors that were never possible before, that we might care about each other. And most attentive creator, we would also carry to you our heart's struggles, the way we continue to use violence as a way to manage our pain. We own that the extremes of destruction were seeded in the way we choose to daily engage that which is different. The way in which we neglect the need to attend to the small frustrations between us so that the way in which we choose to engage may not ignore and thus create a spirit of grief, sorrow, and separation. Yet, here is our hope that to bring the good news is the act of remembering that life is an expression of love and the way in which we serve each other helps us to remember what has saved us. And so we are grateful for the way we choose to see you in all the living of our days. Our souls shall be strengthened in the spirit of contentment that comes because we welcome your healing into our lives. And we share this and see this in those who we live with. We also look to this prayer. And as we pray it together, we see you anew and seek your will and your way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Today we turn our attention to the end of the letter that Paul wrote to his beloved community at Philippi. Hear these words from chapter 4. I will be starting with verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share in my distress. You Philippians indeed know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs more than once. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that accumulates to your account. I have been paid in full and have more than enough. I am fully satisfied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The friends who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of the emperor's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, for the gift of this holy scripture, we give you thanks. For the gift of the ways that we can learn from our brother Paul, we give you thanks. For your work, for your life, for your activity through his life, that we can learn and love and be in community with one another. We pray all of this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Whenever I hear the call of a morning dove, I am instantly transported back to being a child at my grandparents' house. Their house in Circleville must have been prime habitat for any and all morning doves. While I'm sure I heard other birds when visiting, the morning doves are the ones that are embedded in my memory. They were prolific. Finding their song beautiful and haunting and annoying when it went on and on and on, I remember asking my grandma what kind of bird was singing so loud in her trees. When grandma told me they were morning doves, I assumed these were birds of the morning, 
meaning these were birds that were active in the a.m. hours, and they were mourning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, doves. It wasn't until I was much older, like an adult, that I realized these were, in fact, mourning doves, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Their haunting song sounding like sorrow. While time at my grandparents' house was anything but sorrow-filled, the sounds from the morning doves are one of the sounds that I associate with grandma and grandpa. Other sounds from life with my grandparents include pots and pans clanging in the kitchen as grandma prepared my favorite foods, and also voices of my grandpa's friends at the hen house, the local diner where he would meet up with his friends for breakfast and take me along. I remember him bragging quite excessively about me to his friends. Now his friends were very gracious and they gracefully indulged him in all of his very, very biased grandpa-ness. Sounds that I associate with my grandparents take me to a place and a time where I felt safe and loved and free to be me. We've spent eight weeks now with Paul, sitting with him in his prison cell as he writes to his beloved Philippian church. We've listened to the ways that he has rejoiced because of his relationship with this community. We've heard him encourage the church to be wise and mature in their faith and to seek the heart of Jesus in all that they do. We've been attentive to our citizenship in heaven and the responsibilities associated with this identity. Today, we turn our ears to the closing of this letter. These are the words that Paul wanted to leave with this church. These would have been the last words read, the ones to stay and linger in the minds of the community. Last Sunday, Stony Brook hosted Dr. Isaac Weiner from The Ohio State University for our community enrichment event. As an associate professor of comparative studies and the associate director of the Center for the Study of Religion at Ohio State, Dr. Weiner has a particular interest in the sounds of religion. He's authored a book titled Religion Out Loud, and he co-directs the American Religious Sounds Project. This project is an initiative to document and interpret the diversity of American religious life through sound. Dr. Weiner's presentation drew our attention to the sounds of a variety of religious communities, from music and formal liturgy to bells and chants and everything in between. Since the pandemic, he has been researching and documenting how sounds from religious communities have changed over this past year. From the use of Zoom and technology, 
to horns honking at the end of a sermon during an outdoor worship service. Our ears were opened to the sounds of religious communities and the ways these sounds bring us together, what they mean and how sounds are an integral component to faith for so many. We were awakened not only to the importance of sound, but also to the evocative nature found within faith communities through sound. As the final words from Paul's letter were read out loud to the Philippian church, I wonder what feelings were evoked for the community. Were they able to feel Paul's warmth for them? Were the words that he wrote, yet spoken by someone else, read in a way which captured his intent? Was the fullness of his affection for this community conveyed accurately? Were they, in turn, filled with warmth and love for this man who opened their eyes and their ears to the Messiah? Were they thankful for a leader who lovingly guided them as they grew in their faith? Our faith is not a flat, one-dimensional experience. It's not just an intellectual understanding of God. The scriptures are alive and active, full of stories of people, human and flawed. These stories which capture for us that faith is a full experience, one that engages our brains, our hearts, our senses, our bodies. Our faith is expressive, it's relational, and it's personal. This letter to the Philippians was deeply personal for Paul. This is the community which supported him during his imprisonment. His very survival depended upon them. Their selflessness in sharing their resources is what sustained him and what helped him thrive while being imprisoned. He loved them. He ends his letter by expressing gratitude, deep gratitude for their support, their presence, and their connection. It is in this expression of gratitude that Paul encourages them to rely on their faith to be content in life, no matter what. Our faith is deeply personal. It's personal because we believe that God's very breath moves in and out of our lungs. It doesn't get any closer or more personal than that. This past year has had faith community leaders wrestling with very difficult questions. Questions like, is gathering in person in a faith community essential to our faith? Where are the church's boundaries for keeping all physically safe and spiritually nurtured? How do we stay connected when we are physically apart? Our faith is deeply personal. Throughout the community enrichment event, Dr. Weiner shared some sound clips with us. He highlighted the ways that religious sounds have evolved throughout the pandemic. In one clip, he shared an Orthodox Jewish man chanting. 
In the Jewish tradition, the Torah can only be read in the presence of a quorum of 10 adult Jews meeting in person. In other words, the reading of the Torah is personal and a communal event. Because of the ways that we've been required to maintain physical distance during the pandemic, many Jews have missed this ritual of reading the Torah together. In the Jewish tradition, the reading of the Torah is not a spoken reading like we do with scripture. Rather, it is chanted, a very specific chant which follows a particular cadence. The sound clip that he shared with us was from a man chanting the children's book, Good Night Moon. He chanted it in the same way that the Torah would be chanted. I teared up as I listened to this chant of the Good Night Moon. For those who were missing the reading of the Torah in community, I imagined that hearing this chant could have been deeply meaningful. I was reminded of how important rituals are to us humans. Rituals help us internalize some of the truths of our faith. Faith is deeply personal. Paul's faith, his contentment, didn't just happen by accident. And though it was deeply personal, it did not happen in isolation. Community helped to shape Paul's understanding of God. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to look at Paul, this prolific letter writer who encourages and instructs churches all throughout this region, and think that he has it all together. Here's a man so confident in his faith that he's risky to the point of his very life for the sake of the gospel. Sometimes it's easy to get the perception that he is the authority on all things Jesus Christ. The reality is, Paul was a human, just like you, just like me. And he was shaped and formed in community, just like you and just like me. Part of the beauties of the letters which we have preserved for us is that we get to observe how Paul interacts with each of his churches. Paul didn't have his conversion experience on the road to Damascus and then all of a sudden know everything there was to know about Jesus Christ. That's not how faith works. His faith, just like ours, evolved over time, and we get to see that happening throughout his letters. By the time the letter Paul wrote to the Roman community, Paul has developed a more mature, a more comprehensive, a fuller understanding of God and God's activity in the world. Part of what helped him grow in his faith and evolve and deepen was so that he could instruct and encourage communities was community. His experiences weren't always solitary experiences. He may have sat in a jail cell by himself, 
But he was surrounded by people, by guards, by communities, by the church at Philippi who encouraged him in his journey. Community taught Paul a lot about God, and it was the Philippian community which responded to his distress. Their response was so profound for Paul that it sparked this letter we've been calling the letter of joy. In this time of pandemic, many have been mourning not being able to gather like we are used to. It has been so distressing to some that they have reported that it has impacted their faith negatively. Brother Paul would encourage us to look at this a little bit differently. He writes, In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret to being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share in my distress. In other words, Paul has been strengthened in part because of the community which surrounded him. He has been strengthened in his faith, in his endurance, in his ability to see God at work, no matter the circumstances. This past year has been hard, and it has been full of adaptation, change, and movement. We have evidence of the adaptation of Stony Brook through some of the sounds that we can observe. I asked those who participated in the community enrichment event to describe the sound of Stony Brook. I was curious of how the sounds of this faith community would be characterized. And so several responded, and these are some of their responses. One person wrote, I hear the sounds of music, the creativity and the talents of the pandemic singers, as well as the bell choir, which has stayed together and stayed strong. Another described the music from Sunday mornings as filling their hearts and taking them to unimaginable places. Zoom was clearly a large part of this past year, and someone commented on the sounds which have come from children which have participated and joined in on Sunday school Zoom sessions. Another mentioned the ability to connect and share their experiences on Zoom. They share that they've learned through Zoom meetings, it's easier for some to hear while meeting online. And while they miss being physically together, they're learning how to use the features of Zoom in order to accommodate others. And yet others described the sound of Stony Brook as a steady, strong sound of peacefulness, unencumbered by noise or hate. Others added a soft rejoicing, love, and accepting smiles. How would you describe the sound of Stony Brook?
I describe the sounds of Stony Brook as laughter and tears, as music, traditional, contemporary children's songs, as conversations filled with love and empathy, conversations which challenge one another to go deeper in their faith and examination, exclamations of joy at seeing friends, prayers, sermons, and scripture. I would describe the sound of Stony Brook as faith fully embodied, faith being lived out through service and connection. This has not been an easy year, and yet here we are, faithfully putting one foot in front of the other, experimenting, creating, moving, adapting, changing, living, trying to do the best we can no matter our circumstances. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens each and every one of us because we have the power of the Holy Spirit and we have the gift of community. Thanks be to God for your faith and for the ways you have committed yourself to this community. Like Paul to the Philippians, I adore you. I love you and I thank my God each and every time I think of you. Thanks be to God for the gift of you. Amen. I would invite you to rise as you are able, either in body or in spirit, for our closing hymn.
well with our souls. I invite you to take a seat. One of the ways that we embody our faith is by all of the ways that we offer ourselves to God. As a reminder, you can drop your offering in the baskets on the way out, or you can always give on our website at stonybrook.church slash give. I thank you for the ways you will allow our ushers to escort you out after the conclusion of the benediction. Friends, hear these words that Paul said to his beloved community at Philippi. Hear these words of benediction. God will fully satisfy every need of ours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Go in peace, my friends. Amen.